Bibles with you, please turn to the book of Psalm, chapter 12. Psalm chapter 12, we're going to begin in verse 1. If you find your place, please honor the reading of God's Word by standing. Psalm chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceases, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips, and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail? Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. You may be seated. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for its purity and its power in our lives. Lord, I thank you for its ability to preserve us. Lord, I pray that your people this holiday season will be encouraged by your word. Lord, we look forward to the return of Christ as we look around this world and see that it is in desperate need of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. To set things straight. To make them right. And to reverse the curse on mankind. Father, forgive us. Forgive us for our unfaithful words. For blasphemies, for unkindnesses, for slander. Lord, forgive us for the hurtful things that we have said to others and even about ourselves. And Lord, help us to speak truth, everyone, with our neighbor. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, here we are in Psalm chapter 12, verse 1, and it says, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. Uh, how many of y'all say everything that you intend to say the first time without mistake? Nobody? Uh, last night I tried to say something to my wife, and it was totally backwards, and I messed up, and I made a mistake, and I had to apologize profusely for what I said. I was just rude and insensitive and didn't think about how she would take what I was saying. I was just thinking about how I felt about what I was saying. And it had an impact on her that I didn't intend. If you're able to bridle your tongue, James said you're able to control your whole body. I mean, it's just uh, some of us, we have a lot of trouble with that. You notice I'm not wearing a tie today. It's because Thanksgiving happened and I can't really button this button anymore. Um, I have trouble controlling my body, much less my tongue. I mean, it's, it's a powerful thing. 
The words that you say have an impact that lasts sometimes for all of eternity. Because with your words, you can bring people eternal life, or with them, you can condemn people and keep them from knowing Jesus. We're all supposed to be representatives of Christ as little Christians, or little Christ. <coughs> but we often misrepresent Him with the way that we speak to others. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. I want to look at Micah chapter 7, verse 2. Micah chapter 7, verse 2. It says, The good man is perished out of the earth. Kind of hard to find a good man. Women complain about that all the time, especially if they're looking for a fellow. And there is none upright among men. They all lie and wait for blood. They hunt every man his brother with a net, that they may do evil with both hands earnestly. The prince asketh, and the judge asketh for a reward. That means they want a bribe. And the great man, he uttereth his mischievous desire. So they wrap it up. The best of them is a briber, and the most upright is sharper than a thorn hedge. Man, they don't speak well of men, do they? The day of thy watchmen and thy visitation cometh. Now shall be their perplexity. Trust ye not in a friend. Put ye not confidence in a guide. Keep the doors of thy mouth from her that lieth in thy bosom. For the son dishonoreth the father. The daughter riseth up against her mother. The daughter-in-law, man, this sounds like Thanksgiving. The daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are the men of his own house. Surely none of y'all have words over the holidays. We're not done yet. Christmas is coming. Therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Uh, you have trouble dealing with other people. I mean, it's just how it is. Any job would be great except for the people that you have to deal with. That's just how... I, I, there are people working retail this time of year that think this is not worth the paycheck I'm getting, I'll tell you. And if you work in a restaurant on Good Friday when people woke up early and they're hangry and they start yelling at you, my daughter said it's a bad place to be. To listen to those people. Even at Chick-fil-A with God's chicken right there. <laughs> Be careful how you use your words. You're just saying stuff sometimes and you're not even thinking about what you're saying. I did it last night, I'm telling you. If you don't put a filter over your mouth, you're going to, in, you're going to unintendedly harm somebody. And some of your words will stick in their minds for the rest of their lives. Whether it's spoken or written down. I can remember stuff that people said to me in grade school. That teachers said. Things that, that I keep. That they didn't even think about it twice. And if you go back and try to talk to them about it. And say, I, okay, I'm sorry. You know, I don't remember doing that to you. Please forgive me, I guess. And you've been holding on to it for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. I wonder how many words I've ever said in my life that somebody else is holding on to that I wish they could let go of because I'm sorry. I really am. 
I did a lot of stupid stuff when I was a kid. Said a lot of mean things when I was a teenager. Even as an adult, I say things sometimes and wish I could take them back immediately. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. For the faithful fail from among the children of men. Verse 2, Psalm chapter 12. It said, They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5. James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. They give it to all men liberally. And it not, and it shall be given him. Sometimes wisdom is just being able to do this right here. Because the Bible says in the Old Testament that if, if you want to be counted wise, even a fool will be counted wise as long as they keep their mouth shut. Because as soon as you start speaking, sometimes you prove yourself to be an idiot. And I've done it. I've said stuff just acting like I knew what I was talking about and then Turns out, I was just faking it. <laughs> and when the truth comes out, you're proven to be a liar. So if you lack wisdom, ask God. He'll help you shut your mouth. Verse 6, But let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like the wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. How many of you cannot make up your minds about stuff? You have trouble. I mean... Uh, you try to go shopping for Black Friday or whatever on the internet, you're looking at stuff and say, forget it. I just can't, I can't make a decision right now. Some people can't decide if they're going to serve God or serve themselves or, or serve other people or they just don't know what they want to do in life. They have no clear aim or direction and so if the seas change, so does their direction. They don't, they don't care where they go. They don't care where they end up. They're just adrift. Some of you are in here, you may be adrift today. You don't have any direction. You don't know what is going on. I'm telling you, if you'll look to the Lord, He'll give you wisdom and He'll give you direction. If you ask for it, He will give it to you. But when He gives it to you, you have to follow it. I wonder how many people I've ever given advice to that just let it go in one ear and out the other. As a pastor, as a minister, I give them scripture. I help them see the way that the Lord says to do something, and, and I can watch them before my very eyes do the opposite of what the Word of God says. And you see the end result before it even happens. You know what's coming because they choose to follow the winds and the waves of this world. Verse 7, it says, For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. There's lots of people who make lots of requests from God and they ask Him over and over and God give me this and God give me that and God help me here and God help me there. But as soon as God gives them direction, they don't follow it. And they still expect God to hold up His end of the bargain. But a covenant usually involves two people. God said all the time in the Old Testament, if you will do this, then I will do that. But if you don't do it, here's what I promise you. I mean, over and over and over, and you see it play out all through the Old Testament. When they forsake God and worship false gods, they get the result that God told them that He was going to give them. 
And you can read in Deuteronomy chapter 27, 28, 29, right around there, and, and there's blessings and curses. And, and there may be 15 verses of blessings, and then there's like 70 verses of curses. I mean, it's bad. And it's really just a warning. I mean, it's to tell you exactly what God's going to do if you don't do what you say you will. And they all stood up there and said, oh, yes, we'll do it. It's just like giving a kid a pet. I'm telling you. I, oh. Before you get this pet, I mean, you lay down the law and you say, okay, you're going to, you know, if it's a cat, you're going to change the litter, you're going to feed the pet, you're going to clean up after it, you're going to clip its nails, you're going to do all this stuff. And sure enough, as the parent, you end up doing it all. Oh, it just burns me up. I got two dogs. They're not my dogs. Oh, now I got three dogs because somebody dropped another one. I got a turtle and I got a cat. And let me tell you, lots of promises are made before you get these animals that are not kept. They're just not kept. Same thing happened with Israel and God. They promised, oh yes, we will only worship you ever. Boy, did that fail in a big way. So you're reading here in James chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's verse 8. If somebody is double-minded, they're unstable in every single thing. The Bible says if you'll be faithful in small things, you'll be faithful in big things. But if you're unfaithful in small things, you will also be unfaithful in big things. You can't be double-minded, whether it's about small things or large things. It doesn't matter. You can't act like a Christian on Sunday and act like the devil all through the week. That's being double-minded. It doesn't work. Christianity is 24-7 for the rest of your life. So verse 2, it says, They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips, and with a double heart do they speak. And you can't trust somebody that is nice to your face and lies about you or tries to slander you behind your back. And the psalmist is saying that. He's saying, I can't find a trustworthy person. I can't find somebody that I could share my problems with. I think a lot of the reasons that we have so much trouble with sin today and accountability is because we can't find somebody to hold us accountable because we're afraid to tell them our secrets that they're going to go and blab to everybody else. Are you known as a person that can keep secrets? Are you known to be a megaphone that if they say something in your ear, it comes out your mouth a whole lot louder than it went in? <coughs> Verse 3. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Look at Revelation 13, verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast? Who is able to make war with him? Revelation 13, 5 says, And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. 
It says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Many times we will blaspheme God. We will boast against Him with the words that we say. And it would be better for us to put our hands over our mouths and not say a word than to speak against the will of God. Whether it's in our own lives or in the lives of others. There were prophets in the Old Testament that would speak and they would say something and God would convict them and they would have to go back to that individual and say, I'm sorry, that was from me, it was not from God. You can't do what you were planning on doing. A prophet lied to David. Told him, what you're planning sounds like a great idea. And the Lord got a hold of him. He had to repent of that. Prophets lied to each other in the Old Testament. And one prophet got another prophet killed because he said something that was not from the Lord. It was from himself because he wanted to spend some time with the fellow. He told him to come back to town. Have something to eat with me. God told me to tell you to come back to town. So he followed him back to town and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit came in and that prophet that had told him to come back to town had to tell him that he was about to die for coming back to town like he told him to. Sure enough, he got on his donkey, rode out of town and a lion killed him. Didn't need him or the donkey, just sat there and stared at him. So that prophet came back, got him and took him and buried him. Even a person that self-proclaims to speak the word of God could lie to you. So, well, preacher, how can I trust you or any other preacher? Test it by the word. You're not ignorant. If somebody says this is the best vacuum cleaner you've ever seen, it's $5,843 and it will suck up everything in your life. Buy this thing and you'll never have to buy another vacuum. And you go online and you look at the reviews and it says one star, one star, one star. And you think, that's overpriced. They're lying to me. This thing is terrible. You can clearly evaluate things with reviews. You know how to do that. So you ought to be able to know the Word of God enough that when somebody is speaking to you and they tell you that they're saying stuff out of the Word of God, if you know it well enough, you'll know. Read the review. Because any preacher I hear on TV or on the internet, I go and I look at the reviews about their sermons and about what people have said. And, and they will pick apart stuff and say, here is where they go out of line with the Word of God. When I bought this Bible, I, I was actually given a Bible like this from my pastor. And uh, then I you know, asked a friend of mine about it. I was, I was saying, what, you know, what is this person about that wrote the commentary in this Bible or the notes in this Bible? He said, well, you've got to take into account that he comes from this type of background. And I decided, well, I can live with that. Even if I don't agree with all of it, I can live with that and I can understand that. So I can, that's just like coming to hear me preach. You may not love everything I say. But if I'm preaching to you the Word of God and you're being fed, it's fine. I mean, you're not going to find a perfect preacher. If you do, let me know and I'll go sit on The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. Verse 4. Who have said, with our tongue, we will prevail. Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? 
I can say whatever I want to. You ever got your block knocked off because you said something to somebody that you wanted to say and they didn't want you to say it? You ever been slapped in the face because of it? We was riding down the road, two different cars. We were in the back. We had CB radios. This is how long ago this has been. On vacation. Well, if you know anything about CBs, you can listen in to all kinds of truckers' conversations. You can even talk to some of them. And my brother was on the CB radio in the front seat. My daddy was driving, and I was sitting in the back like we do, a little brother with my head right between theirs. And somebody said something over that CB radio about my brother, and I repeated it, and I found myself in the very back of that car. <laughs> because my daddy informed me that I was not to say words like that, and he didn't say a word. <laughs> he knocked my head off. It rolled around in the floor, and I put it back on, and I said, I will never say that again. I still remember what it was. I ain't going to say it. Mm. Who is Lord over us? If God is not Lord over your mouth, then what's He Lord over? Let me say that again. If you'll let just anything come out of your mouth without conviction, is He really your Lord? I know he's still working on me to sanctify me and make me more like Jesus. We got a side-by-side -side stuck on Thanksgiving Day and I was supposed to be back home with Mama's family at 6 o'clock. We didn't get there until 7. I mean, they had a good party without us. But anyway, it was at our house. And I was down in the muck, in the mire, with my wife standing over there saying, we got to get this thing out. This daddy's side-by-side. I was like, we got to get home. There's people at our house. We were two hours away. I was covered from head to toe in mud. I didn't bring a change of clothes or nothing. And we tried everything that we could think of on Thanksgiving to get that thing out of there before it rained all night during that football game y'all was watching. And finally, about an hour or two late, we gave up and they went back the next day and got it out. But, you know, in the midst of all that and what we were trying to do, I said, man, this is enough to make a preacher cuss. And I used some of them preacher cuss words, you know, like sugar biscuit. My daughter, she says sweet honey iced tea. And, you know, there's all these words that you use that, mm, you hurt your hands, you hurt, I mean, I still got mud in my fingernails. There's some circumstances of situations in your life where God hasn't quite become Lord over your mouth yet. And you can tell real quick if somebody is submitting to the Lordship of Christ or not by the words that proceed out of their mouth. Because sweet water and bitter water don't come out the same well. Has anybody ever said something like this to you? And you call yourself a Christian. Because of something said. When I was playing football in high school, a buddy of mine, I just saw him last week. I can still remember him looking at me in the field house where everybody was cussing up a storm. 
He was in the locker next to mine, and he looked at me and he said, You called yourself a Christian speaking like this. The conviction hit me instantly. I started writing down Ephesians 4.29, I believe was the verse it was I tried to memorize. And I put it in my pocket. And every time I'd say a wordy nerd, I'd pull it out and read it. Conviction. <coughs> Verse 5, it says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. So what you find out is that people use their words to oppress others, and it's the words that you use that put other people down and keep them down. And sometimes if a righteous man would stand up and say something to defend those that can't defend themselves, we could get some people fed and we could get them in a home and we could do all kinds of things to rescue those who are perishing under the weight of oppression of other people's words. How do we stop racism? It's not by allowing racists to continue to say what they say, but by speaking into that situation. Say, you can't talk about my friend that way. You can't talk about my spouse that way. You can't talk about my child that way. When righteous men refuse to speak, evil continues. And that's what David found out. There was nobody that he could turn to that would speak righteous words and good words. And defend those that were being oppressed. Sometimes we put our hands over our mouths when we should speak. And sometimes we speak when we should have our hands over our mouths. Verse 6, it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. When God speaks, it happens. When God speaks, it comes true. When God speaks, it is reality. But how many times has somebody told you that they were going to do something for you and they didn't follow through? How many times has somebody made a promise to you that they could not keep? They couldn't make it happen. How many times has somebody spoken a word to you that was unrefined? That was vulgar? How many words have you heard that were not purified in a furnace of earth seven times over. The reason I read my Bible every single day is because the words of God in Scripture will stand for all of eternity. And as long as I stand on the words of God, I have a firm foundation for my life. There have been generals in the military that would read it over and over and over two, three, four, five times a year. Because they recognized and realized that their firm foundation that they would have from Scripture would allow them to influence not only their lives, but all the men under their leadership. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times. You can turn back just a, a page or two to Psalm 19. Psalm 19, verse 7. 
through the end of the chapter there. Psalm 19.7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. You ever watch one of those Alaskan gold digger shows where they go up there and they get mounds and mounds and mounds of earth and they filter it all out and at the end they got this little bitty jar of, of speckled dust that is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars? How much work and labor and time do they spend just trying to get that, that nugget or, or that little bitty piece of something valuable? How many of you have ever robbed a beehive? Raise your hand. I just want to see. Anybody in here? I've never done it. Anybody in here allergic to bees? Nobody? So why haven't you gone out there and robbed a hive? I remember Daddy jumping down off of equipment and beating himself all over it, stripping off his overalls and trying to get away from them things that had flown up the legs of his overalls out there in the woods. Honey is sweet, but bee stings hurt. Gold is valuable, but the labor to produce that gold or find it is intensive. And some of y'all are just wanting God to just give it to you. And that's not how he works. You will find God when you seek after him with your whole heart. It's a pearl of great price that you sell everything and go and once you find it, you purchase that because it's worth more than anything else. It's the treasure buried on this plot of land that once you find out it's there, you go and sell everything and buy that plot of land because you know it's more valuable than anything else. God's words are so valuable. And yet in many of your homes, it's covered with as much dirt as that gold is up in Alaska. Because you never dust it off and read it. Verse 11 of Psalm chapter 19 says, Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You ever go up to one of those power plants and it has this big sign on it with a person on it being shocked to death? Does that make you just want to go in there and play with all the stuff in there? No, you've seen the warning. This will kill you. It still amazes me that they'll put right on the side of a pack of cigarettes, this is going to kill you, and people are like, yeah, I know, something's got to. Words of warning. How many times have you ever ignored it? Driven right past that bridges out sign. <laughs> Oh, they don't mean it's out now. It was out six months ago. It's built now. Whew. I have known people that have driven off where there was supposed to be a bridge. Knowing there was a sign there. How many times have you seen in Alcorn County, Mississippi, one of these uh, underpasses where the railroad is and the water's up higher than a car and a car is sitting in the middle of that? 
They put a flashing light above it. They put a sign there saying don't go around it. And people just ignore the warning signs. For some of you, it probably wouldn't help if you read God's Word because you're going to go out there and do the opposite anyway because you ain't got no sense. None. But to the person who wants to live for God and please Him and honor Him, when God speaks, you change your course of direction. That's how you live your life because you know that He has the only words of life. By them, the servant is warned. Notice this. It says the servant is warned. Most of us, as Christians, don't consider ourselves to be servants, even though Jesus' own brother, James, when he wrote his uh, letter, he said, James, the servant of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never known Dan Marsh or Amanda Marsh to call themselves Baby Joe's servant because I'm the baby <laughs> of the family. That ain't going to happen. But sometimes we'll say stuff and my sister will say something like this. That was my brother speaking, not my pastor, right? <laughs> it happened at our house watching that football game. Twice, I think. Mm. A servant is warned by the words of God. Somebody that's too proud to be a servant, they'll never take God's word seriously. They're too proud. They know the direction. They know what they want to do. They're just not going to follow what God says. It says, in keeping them, there is great reward. I mean, you can't believe what God has in store for you. It says, nobody has imagined or come up with what God has in store, but the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us. It's more than we can ask or imagine, but the Holy Spirit begins to show us the reward. You ever felt like you were underpaid for something you were doing? What kind of price tag would you put on a stay-at-home mom of six with a moronic husband and a, that's a pastor, so you have to be a pastor's wife, and um, you keep the whole household going, it's a big house, and lots of finances coming and going all the time, and you're worried about Christmas. What kind of, what, what should I pay her? Could you help me come up with enough money to pay her to cook and to clean and to take all these kids to all these appointments and uh, and to put up with me um, and if you could come, just help me come up with a round number and see if I can make that much money I'm telling you I can't she can have everything that I make you record that if, if, if she ever leaves me she can have it all because I'm telling you she's worth more than I can give her Yes. I want you to think about the value of the work that you do for God. Nobody on this earth will pay you for it. And God is not going to pay you in pavement, which is gold. He's going to pay you. You've got to believe He exist and that he rewards those that diligently seek after him but the Bible says that when Jesus comes back he's bringing his reward with him I long for that reward more than some of these people long for a paycheck on Friday I long for that reward I want to see I want to see 
And keeping God's word, there's great reward. Verse 12. It says, who can understand his errors? God doesn't have any errors. Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Secret faults. Sometimes we have faults that are secrets to us, and then we get married, and uh, we find out some of our faults that we never knew we had. Or sometimes you work in this job and some new person gets hired and they come in and they start showing you some of your secret faults that you had. You got along well with everybody until that person showed up and you think the problem is them. But you know when there's war between two people, it's usually both people's fault. Some of our secret faults we don't even know, but if we'll ask the Lord, he'll cleanse us from those. Verse 13, keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. You ever had somebody presume on you? Maybe it happened to you over Thanksgiving. Somebody presumed that they could do something or, or whatever. Sometimes we sin against God because we presume He's just going to forgive us anyway. Let them not have dominion over me. It means don't let my faults, my sins, my flaws rule over my life. Then shall I be upright. And I shall be innocent from the great transgression. You've got a lot of little flaws in your life. But if you'll put your life under the Lordship of Christ, He will shine a light on all the flaws. I saw a video this week that says, this is why you should not chew on your fingernails. And somebody put some fingernails under a microscope. And I told my daughter, I said, come here and look at this. I want you to see what they're doing. And they, they zoomed in on this fingernail that was there. And they got down to real close. And it showed this little bug crawling across this fingernail. I said, that's a germ. I said, that's why you don't eat your fingernails. What God does is he puts a microscope on your life and helps you get rid of presumptuous sins and secret sins and stuff that you are pretty good at hiding from other people. The sanctification process is him cleaning you up from all that stuff so that you can live free and righteous. You want to be free of great transgression. A sin that leads unto death. Psalm 19, 14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. And, uh, boy, if we could just hide that word in our heart, maybe we wouldn't sin against God so much. But well, a lot of times the, the things that we sit around and think about are not acceptable to God. But if you want Him to be your strength, and you want him to redeem you from your sin, you're going to have to submit your life to his lordship. And both the words that you say and the thoughts that you think. Not easy to do. There's not very many people that can hold you accountable to how you think. There are people in your life that can look at your face and say, I know what you're thinking. They can. Some of you are not good at hiding it at all. Some of you, everybody knows that you're mad or angry or upset or when you're happy or whatever because I'm telling you, the closed captions all over your face. Everybody can read it. There are other people who have a good poker face. You can't tell what they're thinking. And, and so you're supplying thoughts for them. And you say, uh, you think I'm crazy. <laughs> well, you said it, not me. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, some people can hold it back. And you don't know. 
But I want you to know how valuable God's words are. And how worthless some of our words are. Some words that we throw out as if they were worthless actually end up hurting somebody like they weighed a thousand pounds. Something you didn't even think of as hurtful all of a sudden is an insult. You know the Bible says if somebody has something against you, you're supposed to go make it right. So that's not my fault they have something against me. If they, it's their problem. Not according to Scripture. According to Scripture, you can't worship God if somebody has something against you. I told my wife on the way to church this morning, I need your forgiveness for what I said last night. Would you please forgive me? Well, I don't know. I think about it. I said, I can't go on. If you don't forgive me, I might as well turn around right now. I can't go to church and preach. He said, well, I guess. That's all for you. I wonder how many times I've apologized to that woman. I wonder how many times I've apologized to God. If I'd have thought about it a little bit more, I wouldn't have caused all that hardship on myself. If I'd have filtered my words, it would have gone a whole lot better for me. Hard to sleep at night when somebody's sleeping next to you that could kill you in your sleep. Well, by the grace of God, I woke up this morning and I put up the Christmas tree. I thought maybe that'll buy me some pennies. I bathed the kids and got them ready for church, and I thought, man, this is going good. I, was, I just couldn't wait for her to see that Christmas tree, and maybe that'll help me. By the time we were going down 300, God is gracious, God is good, and I got the forgiveness I was looking for. For some foolish words. What do you think about? What do you say? The last word or verse of Psalm chapter 12, it says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. If you exalt righteous people, they stand up for the oppressed and they stop people from doing wicked things to others. But if you exalt somebody like this who is vile, they will allow wicked people to walk everywhere and do every wicked thing. You see it in cities across the nation that, that when there are wicked people over everybody, that wickedness rules. Now there's not a person that's completely righteous at all. And you're not going to find somebody without any skeletons in their closet. But there are those who fight for justice. They fight to help orphans and widows and to keep themselves unspotted by the world. They fight to speak truth and life into other people's lives. You need to surround yourself with wise people. Preacher, how do I know if they're wise or not? If what they're saying lines up with the Word of God, it's pretty wise. Because God's words are refined seven times in the furnace. But if you're around people that say everything that they think, you need to get away from them. People brag about saying everything that they think, everything that comes to their mind, and that is a foolish thing to do. A very foolish thing to do. Because you will hurt people left and right with the things that you say. And it would be helpful if you would learn to filter your words through the Word of God. Is it kind? 
Is it true? Is it helpful? And if it can't pass those words, it might not pass through your lips. See if you can't fix some of your relationships this holiday season by filtering out what you say and even what you think about people. So, preacher, I can't do that. Well, if you ask for wisdom from the Lord, He'll give it to you. But you can't be double minded. When He tells you what to do, you've got to follow through. Even if it's to bless your enemies, those who would curse you. If you're here and you've never been saved or born again, it's time to get saved. It's Christmas time. Celebrate Jesus being born. He came and died on the cross of Calvary to save you from your sin. If you've never been born again, you say, Preacher, what does that even mean? I can spend a lot of time explaining to you what that means. If you're here and you're a Christian, which most of you profess to be Christians, this word is for you to help you make it through the rest of this year. Because people are going to try your patience. And you're going to have an opportunity to display a Christ-like character. Or you're going to pull out your redneck from the hood. You're going to pull out your raisin. Don't pull out your mama's words and your daddy's words and your grandma's words and your grandpa's words and you can put people in their place and lose an opportunity to witness and minister and give testimony. As your pastor, I would encourage you to speak words of life. And I'm going to try to do the same. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the forgiveness that we have in our relationships. Many times we have put our relationships on the rocks because of thoughtless words. Unfiltered words, unrefined words. And Lord, uh, David spent a whole psalm about that. Lord, we acknowledge that you are perfect and holy and just and righteous. And, and if we would pattern our lives after your word, that we could do those things that promote life in others. Help us to be careful, Lord, when we're speaking death dismemberment, deception. <clears throat> God, I pray that you would put in us a wellspring of life that flows out of our mouths because your word says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So God, I pray that you would clean up our hearts so good things could come out. Jesus, and I pray. Amen. Our invitation is 439.